Good morning. And I, I didn't know you were trying to get my attention. I always try to have something, but I didn't think I was going to do that this morning. So anyway, um, but it, just a little encouraging word. It's nothing too deep. Um, it's a scripture, John 10, 9. I know we've heard it before. And there's some surface truth and deeper truth, but there was something, something, how many times, you know, you read something and something stands out to you, like, oh, saw that, that's really good and refreshing. And then you study that out, and um, so John 10, verse 9, and I'm going to read, I am the, this is Jesus speaking, I am the door, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And so I was looking, thinking, I was like, oh, go in and out. We can come in, we can go out freely, you know. And so the door there, when he says, I'm the door, that means opportunity. So we have an opportunity to live an abundant life because we know we've this scripture before the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy anyone who's ever come before me are thieves and robbers. And we know that that doesn't mean anything other than the, the, teaching of the law by by performance, right? We've heard that. We've taught that here at Grace Life. But what I was studying on and looking just quickly um, was the door, opportunity. You have the opportunity to live and experience an abundant life, excessive, overflowing, surplus, over and above, more than enough, extraordinary, more than sufficient life. It's an open door that he, no man can shut. So he is the door that no man can shut. We've heard like, oh, God's going to open a door of opportunity and no man can shut it. Well, a man can shut your door, but no man can shut God's at all, right? And so he is the open door no man can shut. And so when he says we can come in, we are free, we are sheep of his pasture, that he let, He gives us that freedom. He, we come in, he, we, he, we are saved, we are eternally secure, and he lets us come in and out. And so when we go in and out, we can pick whatever life we choose. Do we have the freedom to do that? Yes, we do. Does he want us to go down certain paths? No, he may not. But does he go with us? Yes, he does. And the thing is, is when we come back in, there's no cover charge. It's free. It's open. We can come in and we go back out. The bold, we can come in freely. It's an invitation. It's not that, you know, like when we went to Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom, we had to pay to get in, you know, and I loved it. And just imagine how, but it's free to go in and to come out. And I love that he does that. And we find pasture. And pasture is where we can graze freely, and it means growth and increase. And so when we come in and we go out, and he wants us to go out into this world, I see it as obviously here, and we, we, we go in and we graze on his pasture, we're growing, we increase, we get to come out and uh, help others. He is a good shepherd, and what he's saying is he is the pathway to purpose, he is the pathway to forgiveness, he is the pathway to relationships, he is the pathway to meaning, he is the pathway to identity, you know, and that's how when we come in and then we go back out, that's what we're going out with, is identity, with relationship, with purpose, with meaning, and we affect this world. We, we, that's how, that, and we have the freedom to do that. We have the freedom not to do that. Does that mean he doesn't love us and he's not with us? Doesn't mean that at all, but that's our purpose. That's the purpose. We have the freedom to come in and out. We know his voice. We have the confidence to move with ease, identity, and boldness to live freely in this life. It's a satisfying life. It's a rich life, and rich doesn't always mean money because some of the poorest people 
all they have is money. I've heard that. And that really stuck with me. And it's like, wow, you know, because we see all the time that the wealthy are some of the most depressed because they don't have that purpose. They don't have God. They don't have Holy Spirit. And internal peace is something money cannot buy. Only Holy Spirit can give that to you. One of the last things Jesus said in his physical body to his disciples is, my peace I leave with you. And no man can take that away. No man can do that, right? And so, and then how did he fulfill that is by sending Holy Spirit to minister to us, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he ministers and witnesses and testifies to us the peace of God, everything that he witnessed at the cross that paid for everything, that, gives, that has given us this abundant life, that we get to hear his voice. When we go out, we may not hear, we may go down this path or that path and like, Lord, will you have the freedom to come back in? You don't have to pay anything. You don't have to do any works. It's not by your performance to get back in the door he's already paid it by his performance you have the freedom to come in and get ministered to and then go back out so we get the freedom to come in. so I just like that that's nothing really deep and or anything it's just a little surface truth but I want you to live freely and confidently in the kingdom being kingdom ambassadors so when you come and you're grazing in green pastures you're growing and you're increasing and you're affecting this world you're affecting other people you're affecting your neighbor i know this world is huge and a lot's going on and sometimes we can get overwhelmed but sometimes god just wants us to make sure it, our our world is our family our neighborhood our job place and it's just like leaven and then that'll grow so it's just little by little and that's how it works and you'll see change you don't have to get overwhelmed he doesn't want us overwhelmed but I just wanted you to know that you are the sheep of his pasture you know his voice and if you don't you can practice by praying and hearing praying in the spirit having communion but you are free to come in and out and go in and out that's what he says right Amen. So anyway, I just wanted to encourage you with that. You have purpose and meaning and everything. So um, offering, you know, you know, Holy Spirit's going to tell you what to give. And you can give texts. We've already went over that. I, I haven't said anything about that in a long time. But I will say what you don't support goes away. And what I do know is that when I work in the hair salon there, um, I'm thankful. God has blessed me. I'm so thankful for, for clients who's been with me for so long. And, um, but every person that has church, that they go to church, a lot of my clients do, some of them don't, and um, their attendance has dropped. No one's coming back. No one has really gone back. And, and, and you know, I, I'm just find that kind of sad because it's like we kind of get in this routine of not going and, and, and then you just get in the routine, of, well, I'll just watch online. And, you know, you can watch online and it's nothing wrong with that, but there's just something about when you get together with your brothers and sisters in Christ, and you can have corporate prayer, you can have someone that will have a word for you. If they're home, they don't know you. We don't know who's watching unless we have it on. But if you're here and you can come and you can fellowship, because listen, uh, this pandemic is done. We're over it. It's, it's done, <laughs> right? And that's the way I feel. And we need to move on and get on with life. And so that wasn't any part of what I had to say. But anyway, I just felt that I needed to say it. But anyway, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Father, that you are our good shepherd. You are the door. You are free of charge that we can come in freely and graze on good pasture. You give us everything we need for life and godliness. We want for no good thing. We appreciate you. We honor you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Very good. I'm blessed.
to get to him. Yes, you are. <laughs> she said she was blessed too, and I said, yes, you are. No, but I am blessed. We, we get to share things back and forth, and I didn't get to hear this. That was fresh. And what uh, spoke to me that I think we, it, it explains a lot sometimes to me to hear an explanation that that open door that no man can shut is Christ. Um, because a lot of times people have been disappointed waiting on God to open certain doors for them, doors of opportunity. Um, God has used individuals in my life to open certain doors for me. Uh, without relationship with those people, those doors wouldn't have been opened. Uh, opportunities of employment, op opportunities of finances, opportunity of travel, opportunities of ministry because of relationships. But as quickly as certain individuals open up doors for you, they have a free will. They could shut those doors in your face. And then a lot of times God, uh, we, God, we place blame on God for shutting a door that he had nothing to do with shutting. Well, I thought you said it was an open door that no man can shut. And he'll say, I am. I am an open door that no man can shut. And so when I get and hear revelations like that, that give explanation to me, that help me stop blaming God for things that just was my misunderstanding. A lot of times, am I talking to anybody? Does that make sense to anyone? Uh, before I get started in the message this morning, and I really don't have a message. I have a lot of thoughts that I want to give you from Scripture today to make you think, I hope. But I uh, wanted to acknowledge that Nathaniel graduated from Winfield High School this week. And Josh, back there helping us in the back, graduated. Homeschool graduation was here at Grace Life yesterday. And Aaron and Jeannie did a phenomenal job planning that and organizing that. It was smooth. Carol worked hard. Uh, but your brother's message was... Uh, and I enjoyed it. If the graduates didn't get anything out of it, I sure enjoyed it. And Justin was here taking pictures, and it was just really well put together. And uh, it was I was blessed by it and got to participate in that. And uh, Bailey, Matthew's girlfriend, comes some. She also graduated from Winfield High School this week. I don't think we had any other high school graduates this year, did we? Okay. And today is Sheila's birthday. Happy birthday, Sheila. If I missed anybody else's birthday. Uh, Michaela graduated college two weeks ago. Yes. Four-year degree. That's awesome. And, uh, wow. Get your Bibles out, if you would, and go to the Old Testament. Now let's look at Isaiah 57, the 57th chapter. We've been talking about mountains all month long. We've talked about that mountains can symbolize different things. We see in the scripture, Jesus healed people in the mountain region. Uh, mountains is a symbolic uh, metaphor in the scriptures of being closer to God because it's closer to heaven. Uh, there's just a lot of different metaphors, uh, euphemisms, and symbolism with the mountains that are in the scripture. There are literal mountains that have geographical locations in the Middle East that are mentioned in the Scripture. There's over 500 verses throughout the Bible that mention mountains. Uh, it was an amazing thing. 
to see where Pastor Frank went with the mountains that are in our minds. Uh, Pastor James last week talking about the mountain of worship. Uh, we didn't even point out that Jesus uh, interacts with a woman and she's worried about where you, what mountain to worship on. Um, there's, there's mountains of faith that, uh, you know, we, a lot of times we've um, incorrectly told people that if they just have a certain amount of faith that they can speak to a mountain and it'll be cast into the sea. That is metaphoric. It is not literal. So people get so discouraged and they're confused that I should have enough faith to speak to that mountain and it's literally going to be cast in the sea. That's not literal. That's symbolic. And actually, it was a Judy, Jewish idiom that meant that if there was a mountain of uh, op, uh, obstacle, difficulty in front of you, that you could speak to that problem, that situation, that difficulty, and by faith it would be removed, cast into the sea. I think that it just helps me to understand a lot. Thing. I'm a simple guy. Uh, and uh, Aaron and I were talking yesterday trying to get the video going, and he said, kiss, and I knew exactly what it, he meant when he said it. Keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> so that I could, and I did. I just went back to the basics, and boom, we, got, we fixed it. Uh, it was, uh, I just like the simple stuff. So when I see things like that that help me understand things better, the scripture begins to become alive to me, and as I understand more, then I get hungry to, for more knowledge of what God is trying to say to us through the Scripture. So I trust that something over the last four weeks and how we wrap it up talking about mountains uh, is encouraging to you, makes you think. One of the symbolisms of mountains is government. Um, it, it's rule and authority from a high place. Jesus was even tempted by Satan, he took him up to a mountain to show him kingdoms. It was a perspective, a position of rule and authority. It's something that he offered him something that he already had power and control of. Because he's defeated. But tonight, tonight, today we're going to talk about the mountain of inheritance. The mountain of inheritance. I believe that God gave me something for Grace Life years ago, and I want to review it with you real quick. We exist to help everyone discover their identity in Christ. And as people begin to discover their identity in Christ, we believe that that leads them to um, purpose, that leads them to Define, finding out what God is going to use them to do so that they can impact their community. We'll never impact our community without having our identity. But then as we discover our identity and we begin to impact our community, we need resources. And I'm not just talking about money. Yes, we need money to operate but the resources of the kingdom are far beyond. I've seen God bring in money from places that you could never even imagine when it was needed. It's he who gives us power to get wealth. But discovering and impacting, uh, it will have its root in you enjoying your inheritance. But you'll never enjoy your inheritance if you don't know who you are. You're a son. Sons receive an inheritance. That's resources to operate. 
Let's go to Isaiah 57, the 13th verse of chapter 57 of Isaiah as I give you some thoughts today on this mountain of inheritance. It says, He who puts his trust in me, second portion of the scripture, He who puts his trust in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. Is that what it says? See the word inherit? Circle that in your Bible if you don't mind doing that. I've got my Bible marked up. It just helps me to remember certain things, underlined, highlighted, arrows drawn, dates when I heard certain men and women of God share certain things. But that word inherit, they shall inherit my holy mountain. The holy mountain of God throughout Scripture is Zion. Now, a literal physical mountain in Israel near Jerusalem is Mount Zion. But it's not just a geographical location. The holy mountain of God is Zion, which is his church. It's his people. It's not just a a physical location. It's a people. And so when I started looking at that, I was reminded of the story of of Caleb, Joshua and Caleb. And I'm going to share some thoughts about that here in just a minute. And Joshua told Caleb, or he gave Caleb... The mountain that he had asked for. Caleb says, give me my mountain. And it says in Joshua, the 14th chapter, and Joshua gave Caleb Mount Horeb as his inheritance. And basically, it was a promise from God that by faith he was going to receive what he had promised, even though he had to go through 40 years in the wilderness with the children of disobedience, the children of a lack of faith. And so he still got his mountain. He was 85 years old. I don't think that there's the average age in the building today is not 85. So we still have a lot of good years left ahead of us that we can claim, receive, possess our mountain of inheritance, enjoy that inheritance. Man, it's time for us to begin to enjoy our inheritance and stop waiting to die to enjoy it. Heaven is part of your inheritance. I I believe that. But I'm not waiting to die to enjoy it. I, I was so excited to have so much fun with our kids at Disney so that they can begin enjoying, I'm sorry, Matthew, part of your inheritance while you're living and why I'm living so that you can enjoy it with us. We can enjoy it with them. We had a blast. We ate very, very well, and beyond my surprise, I didn't gain a pound. I won't ask Matthew what he gained, but uh, we ate well, didn't we? And we just had such a blast, but this mountain of inheritance. Let's go to stay in Isaiah, but go backwards to chapter 2. Chapter 2 of Isaiah. I believe that events of the scripture were literal. This is history about the, the nation of Israel. So that the things that God was speaking prophetically through Isaiah to the actual people, the Jewish people of the nation of Israel, that this was prophetic for them. But I don't believe it starts there. Like Lisa said a few minutes ago, that's a surface truth. But I think it goes so much deeper that a lot of this was prophetically speaking to us that we can enjoy. And I think when you see this in chapter 2, as I pointed out to you, even in the language that you will understand that it just wasn't for that group of people during that time period. 
So chapter 2, verse 2. In these last days. I'm, is that there? Yeah. In these last days. Now that phrase, in these last days, is not talking about the time period between the ascension of Christ to heaven and a literal imminent return of Christ to the earth. Now if you disagree with me on that, that's fine. That's your privilege. But I believe that you have your timeline in the wrong place. In these last days, I believe it's prophetically speaking of the period of the end of the old custom, old covenant age and the beginning of the new covenant age. Now, there were the last days of Israel and as far as the Jewish system and the covenant that God set up with them. It is over. How do I know that? Because there's no longer a temple in Israel. I've been there five times. Plan on going back six time in October of next year. There's no temple there. There is no need for another temple there. Can I get an amen? amen? Because to go back to shedding the blood of animals is to trample over the blood of Christ that was shed once and for all with a better blood with better promises. So in those last days, it's a transitional period that Isaiah is already prophetically speaking of. And I'm talking to you about the, mountains, the mountain of your inheritance. And so this mountain of Yahweh's temple, we still got the scripture up there. So in these last days, the mountain of Yahweh's temple will be raised up as the head of the mountains and towering over the hills. Now the mountain of Yahweh's temple is Mount Zion. The temple mount is Zion. That's where the temple of Herod was built on Mount Zion. But it's just not speaking of that literal temple that was built. How do I know that? Again, it's gone. It's not there any longer. And Zion is symbolic of you and me. We are Zion. And we'll be raised up. This is speaking of the government of the kingdom of God. It says it's towering over all the hills. So what this speaks to me and what I see here is that the mountain of Sinai, we talked about the two mountains a few weeks ago, is receding. It's fading into the background so that this hill of Zion, the people of God, the kingdom of God, the mountain of God, is being raised up. Can you see this picture in your spiritual eyes? He says it's a sparkling stream of every nation. Okay, you've got to get a hold of that, underline that, make a mark in your Bible, that this is for every nation. So if this is for every nation... That's the language that tells me that this is more than just a temple being built on a mountain in Israel for a certain group of people. Right? Because the old covenant for, was for one group of people, the Jewish nation, the chosen people of God for that time. But this scripture says to me right here that this mountain that's being raised up is for every nation. So it's speaking of more than just a physical location. I hope I'm not belaboring that point to get across to you that it has to be more than just a literal physical mountain. And it says a sparkling stream of every nation will flow into it. So it's not just the Jews, but every nation, which includes Gentile nations, which includes me and you. That's shouting material. 
this mountain, Zion, your inheritance, because you're going to inherit and possess it, is a spiritual magnet that will draw every nation to itself. Man, that's powerful. Verse 3, chapter 2 of Isaiah. Many peoples will come to it. See, that's every nation. And they will say, they will begin to invite everyone else, come. So this uh, picture of the government of the kingdom of God, which is your inheritance, seen here in the picture of a mountain, is um, all-inclusive. It doesn't lead any, leave anyone out. And the invitation is let's go up higher to this mountain of Yahweh. And something's going to happen when we get to this mountain. I believe it's already happened. This was prophetically speaking in Isaiah. here. Can you go to the next verse? So then he can teach us his ways and we can walk in his paths. Zion is the center of instruction. We say it all the time, Grace Life is a teaching church. We have a mandate as Zion, the people of God, to instruct and to teach. And we're teaching His ways so that you can walk in His paths. And His paths are the paths of righteousness, for His name's sake. And this in Zion, the center of instruction, is the kingdom of God where the government and the rule of God on the earth comes from his people. We can teach one another. Now I know that the scripture says that in the New Testament, the New Covenant, you will not need anyone to teach you. The Holy Spirit will teach you. But can I tell you how the Holy Spirit teaches you? through others a lot of the time. Now, I believe if you open up the scripture and you begin to study, he will teach you. But a lot of times, one-on-one conversations, experiences that you've had with other individuals, leaders that teach us, we begin to understand the ways and the paths of God. Has anyone ever heard of the seven mountain mandate? Does anybody? Uh, look it up. Research it. The seven mountain mandate is a kingdom mandate that the church infiltrate, penetrate, become resourceful and impactful on seven mountains. Can I give them to you? Faith, family, education, business, government, entertainment, and media. It's our inheritance. Do you know who rules and reigns in the earth right now? We do. We rule with him right now in this earth through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. It's in the scriptures. We rule and reign. It's time for the kingdom people to take what is ours and begin to infiltrate every area of education, entertainment, media, business, and government, and family, and faith. 
is our inheritance. Stop allowing someone to take what is rightfully yours and to pervert it. The word of Yahweh is to go out from, and I'm using the word Yahweh because I'm using the Passion Translation. I'm not going to get into a habit of using that terminology when I refer to Jesus. Okay, so I don't want to confuse you. I'm just reading from the Passion Translation this morning. And the word of Yahweh will go out from Jerusalem. Again, it's not the city of Jerusalem in Israel over in the Middle East. You are the new Jerusalem. Revelation, John prophetically says, and he sees that the new Jerusalem is a bride adorned coming down out of heaven. It is a people, not a place. So where does the word of the Lord come from? It comes out of your mouth. And it begins to impact and infiltrate and begins to really bring prosperity to every area of those seven mountains that I just mentioned to you. Verse 4. He will judge fairly between the nations. Now what this means is that he will mediate ethnic disputes and that the wisdom of the Lord that he's going to give to his people will bring resolution even to international disputes. What, what kind of problems are we having in our world today? Ethnic, racial problems and inter, international conflict do you know how those are going to be resolved when the people of God that rule and reign in the world today receive their inheritance in Luke the 12th chapter it says that it is the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom you don't have to fight for it you can't earn it it's already yours it's an inheritance that's already been given to you there was a death that took place so that you could receive that inheritance and the executor of the will ever liveth to make sure that you are receiving the benefits of that so that you can have dominion. That's a word that's used in Genesis when Adam and Eve had dominion and they ruled. That's the way it is for us today. Then he will begin to mediate ethnic disputes and the wisdom that he gives us will bring resolution into the international disputes that are taking place. That's a good place to say amen. I'm giving you an optimistic outlook of the future on planet earth. It's your inheritance. But if you want to dwell in the valley, you'll have a valley dwelling perspective. And it'll always be challenging and it'll always be striving because you've got to climb to the top of the mountain. But you, if you will realize that God has already brought us up to the mountain through what Jesus did and that our perspective is one of a mountaintop view, I'm not saying we won't get discouraged. I'm not saying you won't have valleys. But I am saying that you can have a mountaintop experience where your perspective is different. And I got a bug in my throat. <laughs> Excuse me. When this begins to happen, the result will be a place of perfected praise and a place of perfected rest. That symbolizes victory and no more toiling or laboring. And here is the, the results look like this. This is the picture. 
the instruments that were being used to wage war are now beaten into plowshares and hooks. And when you talk about that type of language, language, these become instruments of prosperity. It's a harvest. You beat those weapons. There's also prophetic language in Ezra and Nehemiah that talks about use beating those weapons of war into plowshares. Why? So that you can reap the harvest of prosperity. Why do I need a harvest of prosperity? So that I can continue to rule and reign with the resources of Christ in the earth. See, this is my perspective. It doesn't have to be yours, but, but I've come to a place where I really believe that God is preparing me to live a long life on the earth. Now, there's things that I can do that would cause me not to live a long life on the earth. There are certain habits that have to be broken. There are certain things in eating and, uh, eating and exercising and different things that can prolong my life. But I'm, I don't believe that it's going to get so bad that the earth is going to be destroyed and I have an escapism mentality that I'm going to have to leave here because he's going to destroy this earth. I kind of believe the opposite. I believe the earth is going to be here forever and the kingdom of heaven is going to collide with the earth one day and our mandate as kingdom people ruling from the mountain of our inheritance is to start making the earth look so much like the kingdom of God that when Jesus does get here, he doesn't even act like he's left home. Come, let us walk in the wonderful light. Verse 5, chapter 2 of Isaiah. Come, let us walk in the wonderful light of Yahweh's light. This is, means to walk in life and live in life in His favor, in His presence, in His blessing, and in His revelation. Michaela, if you would come. Flip over to Matthew, the 17th chapter with me. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I just want to point out a couple things to you. See, because Isaiah was prophetically speaking over 700 years before the time of Christ about what was going to take place when Jesus arrived. I'm talking about when he was born of a virgin, not when he comes back for the second, third, fourth, or fifth time because he's always appearing. But Matthew 17, something takes place on a mountain that symbolically speaks to me that this was the transition period between the Old and the New Covenant. The transition period was beginning. This is the story of, the, of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And it says, Six days later, I'm reading from Matthew 17, verse 1, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and his brother and led them up onto a high mountain. Uh, here's, a, here's a good study sometime. Go through the scriptures and look at all of the activity and, and events that took place on mountains in the scripture. Old to New Testament. Look at all the things that took place on mountains. Here's one of them. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on the mountain. And it says in verse 2, he was transfigured before them. Now, babe, help me with this because I messed it up last two or three weeks ago. It wasn't, time was slowed down to visibility. That's what I said, and that was wrong. 
We are spirit slowed down to visibility so that what was on the inside of Jesus, his spirit man, came to the outside of Jesus and his glory was revealed. His physical body veiled his glory for the period that he walked on the planet except for this story right here. And his flesh suit disappeared for a moment so that his glory was unveiled and the light of God shined through him and his face shone like the sun and his clothes even became as white as the light. Verse 3, here it is. Behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. Peter answered and he didn't know what else to say. He said, let's build three temples here, three tabernacles, one for Moses, one for Elijah and one for Jesus. And while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And then suddenly, you know, we don't talk about this suddenly very much. We talk about the suddenly in the Jordan River when the sky split open and a voice from heaven thundered. But this is a second time that the voice of the Father will speak from heaven. And it says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. John says in one of his writings that the law, Moses, and the prophets, Elijah, were preached until. And now the kingdom is being preached. And right here we see an example of that. They disappear. They're gone from the scene. A voice speaks from heaven and says, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And when Peter, James, and John wake up, They're in a daze from seeing the light of God and Moses and Elijah showing up. And the voice speaks one more time and it says, Hear him only. And Peter, James, and John recognize what I want you to recognize as you stand to your feet this morning. On this mountain, the only thing that was left, the only person who was left, and it says it right there in the scripture, was Jesus himself. Jesus is enough. We don't need to add the law and the prophets to it. Now, preaching the law and prophets just veils what Christ has already done. We preach it as a foreshadowing and a foretelling of the Christ that was come. So we see the Christology in it. But if you preach the law and the prophets of going back to that, and it pulls people back into it, they can't see Christ. Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus alone. Hear Him only. This was the beginning of the transition period. Because Jesus says to them as they come down off the mountain, don't share this with anybody until after I'm resurrected. So he didn't say not to share it. He just told them after the resurrection, people need to hear this story because this is going to be pivotal in the thrusting of the old covenant ending and the new covenant coming onto the scene. I hope that as you continue to listen to the messages that Holy Spirit gives us, I know I stay in a vein a lot of times and We use a lot of different scriptures from different parts, but I'm going to bring you back to helping you understand what covenant that you're living under. Because you are not living under an addendment to the old covenant. You're living under a brand new covenant. And you have an inheritance 
that you can begin to enjoy in the earth. I, I'm, I am convinced that when we get a hold of that and understand the resources that we have available to us to begin to impact entertainment and media and education and government and business in our homes and in our churches, that if we'll understand that what we have available to us right here, right now, as an inheritance, and we begin to say, like Caleb said, give me my mountain, that we will impact our communities, our cities, our school systems, and everything, that, and it'll start slowly, it'll be one event at a time that takes place, but you will begin to see a change. Because God's not going to take us out of here and then destroy it because it got so bad. He's going to leave us here until we change it. It's a world without end and we have a mandate to impact our communities with the gospel of the kingdom. Good news about the king and his kingdom. And he didn't leave you without resources to do it. It's your inheritance. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? I want to pray with you, and I, I, I believe and I sense and, and I know. When I know, say I know, I, I know experience by experience and what you've told me, I know that there are certain things going on in some of your lives. I read some of the check-ins from the last couple of weeks where people have put prayer requests on cards. We've prayed. There's others that are sick in their body. There's several with mental and emotional upheaval that really need a touch from God. They need to surrender and allow Holy Spirit. He's just as concerned about depression and anxiety and any types of disorders that anyone would be diagnosed with as, as he is with cancer. And he's already provided a healing for both. Some, some people have been diagnosed with uh, disorders, with some depressions and manic depressive and bipolar and different things and some of you are just going through seasons that events have caused depression neither one I'm not making light of either one of those but they both can be healed this morning you can be set free from that chronic or acute depression in Jesus name decisions that you wish you hadn't made. Some are about to make decisions that you shouldn't make. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you regardless of what area you are. If you've made decisions that weren't good for you, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you and tell you that He's still your child. You're still His child. He's got plans for you. He's bringing you up and He's bringing you out. But he's trying to speak to some of you to head you off with a path. And it's like Lisa said this morning. When you made that wrong decision, he's with, he was with you. And if you make, some of you that are contemplating decisions, if you make the wrong decision, he'll be with you. But he's trying to warn you ahead of time so that you don't make that decision and have to go through the consequences. That's what God hates. God hates what happens to his children when we make decisions that he tried to warn us about. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. It's the Holy Spirit speaking through me to try to help you. Would you reconsider the decision that you're about to make? Would you listen to him 
and allow him to speak to you about the decision that he wants you to make so that you can avoid heartache, heartbreak, pain, maybe even loss of finances and loss of limb and maybe even loss of life. But he wants to give you a word of knowledge today and a word of wisdom so that you can apply the knowledge that he gives to you to that situation so you can avoid those consequences. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking. Thank you for showing us that you have a plan for us. You have the, just like going up to this mountain where you can teach us your ways and we can and you'll teach us our your paths. The steps of a good man, a righteous man, and a righteous woman are ordered of the Lord. May we surrender to your plans as you guide our steps, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you're not feeling well.